I'm a free black man, hold up my head, black man. Beautiful black man, I don't that feel nice, man. I love your brother, black man, and chase your dreams, black man, and get that cream, black man. We the original. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Confessions of a Native Son, Perspectives on Race, Culture, and Business. I'm your host, Mike Stedman, a veteran and entrepreneur living in Newark, New Jersey. I'm an aspiring author and God and an investor, God willing, that's committed to uplifting communities of color. Through this show, my aim is to foster thought-provoking and engaging dialogue about race, culture, and business from my perspective, along with those of my guests. It is 8.33 p.m. right now on a Monday night, and I decided to go ahead and get podcasting for you all um, today. Oh, this entrepreneur journey is no joke. Um, for the last few weeks, I've been really, um, it's the new year. So today's date was the 20th. So it's a MLK weekend, um, Monday. And I've been spending the last few weeks getting my life plan in place for the year, as well as my strategic plan for, for my business. So for those of you out there that don't know me, I run a social enterprise called Ironbound Boxing that provides a free recreation for inner city youth and young adults. We have a free boxing gym in Newark, New Jersey, but also have a corporate wellness arm, which is our for-profit part that teaches boxing as a form of employee wellness. And my vision for that is to employ youth and young adults that come through our program as on-site boxing trainers. And so, you know, I've been driving this thing for pretty much a year and a half now, and uh, I'm still losing money in it. I'm not making money yet. I'm making a little bit of money, but it's uh, not to where we need to be. And so, you know, I'm really doubling down and tripling down to make it profitable. You know, in the past, I've been, uh, like I've said before in previous episodes, I've been a full-time entrepreneur a little over a year and a half. But, you know, I've been having multiple sources of, of income coming in. I've done part-time consulting work. Um, I've done public speaking. But now that I have a, a business coach, you know, one of the things he's got me dialing down on is, you know, just staying focused. And I know for me, like, even though I've been able to make money in the past doing a variety of different um, job responsibilities, you know, on the freelance consultant side of the house, I really want to take Ironbound Boxing and my brand to the next level. So I've cut out a lot of other sources of income and are really focused in on Ironbound Boxing. And so it's nerve wracking. You know, when you look at the numbers and you're just like, okay, I really got to elevate this thing and get it to the next level. And it's not going to be easy because I think in business, especially entrepreneurship, it's easy to get distracted, you know, from the doing the fun stuff like a podcast. Ha ha ha. But um, no, at the end of the day, you got to take care of business. And so I have a business coach and I'm part of a business accelerator. And uh, I was in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, Victor, Idaho area. Um, about two weeks ago, just really doing some strategic planning for the year and getting everything dialed in. So now we are, I'm back in Newark. I got my plan of attack for my, my venture and just really got to execute it. And it's nerve wracking because when you get, I feel like when you put stuff on paper, you are committing to it um, and you you can see it. And so every day, you know, I just feel like I'm running out of time to accomplish our goals, hit our revenue goals and you know, onboard some more corporate wellness clients. But I, you know, one thing I have to learn is just to control the things I have, con focus on the things I have control over, such as getting my 
you know, sales cycle dialed in and making sure I'm reaching out to clients and focusing on my weaknesses. I feel like I'm pretty good at branding. I love telling stories, but sales is not something that I just wake up and I'm like, oh, I'm excited to go sell today. So I need to make sure I'm I'm doing that in order to get the results that I want to have. So um, maybe one episode I'll go over, maybe on my next episode, I'll go over my life plan with you all so you can just kind of see how I'm approaching life and how I'm being very intentional about the stuff I'm doing. But, you know, for today, what I want to talk about in this episode is a really good Netflix movie called Dolomite is my name. And if you haven't seen it out there, I encourage you to take a look at it because in my mind, I mean, there's so many layers to this film, you know, in terms of, you know, um, entrepreneurship, black culture, black cinema. I mean, you name it. It's just a great film. And I feel like there's a lot of lessons that um, entrepreneurs, people looking for something a little bit more in life can pull from it. And I want to do a, a little bit of a deep dive on the film for you out there. And so we can talk about it and I can t- share with you what I what I took away from it and how I found it really um, empowering. So we're going to be talking about that on today's episodes. But before we do, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. First, I'm going to give a shout out to Dope Coffee. For those of you who don't know, Dope Coffee is a lifestyle brand that pairs urban black culture with innovative product offerings in the coffee industry. We're not a coffee brand for black people. We're a coffee brand that seeks to elevate black culture through a lifestyle of premium coffee and candid conversation. Next up, we got my brand, Ironbound Boxing, which is a fitness brand committed to sharing our love, passion, and appreciation for boxing within companies, organizations, and low-income communities. As a social enterprise, we proudly dedicate a significant percentage of our proceeds to fund free boxing programs for inner-city youth and young adults. Shout out to Dope Coffee and Ironbound Boxing, man. I'm really, I'm really proud of what we're doing with both these brands. You know, the intro to our podcast here was actually done by um, Mike Lloyd, who is the CEO and founder of Dope Coffee, along with his wife, Michelle. And so, you know, he's he's got this whole other personality, creative Mike the Rapper. And so when I was putting the podcast together, I knew I needed to have some original music. So I so I tapped Mike. You know, we talk almost every day on the phone, helping each other out, just collaborating, acting as thought partners. And so it's really it's, it's really cool to be able to put some some content out there like this to empower those of you out there just looking for something different. Um and yeah, man, I, I just love everything our brands stand for. And so I'm really, it's just cool to be able to create content that speaks to it and, you know, promotes it. So without further ado, let's get into the topic of today's episode. All right. And I got a confession. I got a confession. When I was younger, and I'm talking about growing up in East Texas, you know, didn't really know a lot about the world, just kind of knew a lot about my surroundings. But, you know, I... I think we were spoiled when we were younger because there were a lot of really, really good like black films back in the day that took on, that had just a lot of personality that took on some complex social, it's complex social issues, you know, Spike Lee, you know, with, um, do the right thing. He had school days. Um, what's, what's some other films that I like back in the day, you know, people like Harlem nights, um, you know, the old Eddie Murphy movies, um, what else? What, what was that movie? Coming to America, you know, just all this rich, you know, movies with like black culture, man, and just seeing us in all our different shades and color. But I have a confession because, you know, one thing that I didn't realize I was doing when I was younger, 
sometimes, you know, when you like get used to seeing just like a really, really high budget movie with like a lot of, you know, special effects and a big budget and all this kind of stuff. Right. And it just kind of like sets the standard. So if I go to the theater and I see like, I don't know, uh, a Terminator movie back in the day or um, Die Hard and, you know, just just the badass action scenes, whatever. And sometimes you would go see like a black film that was trying to, you know, be action oriented. And a lot of times, right, sometimes these movies would be like just cheesy or corny. They had your exceptions, you know, had like Wesley Snipes and the Passenger 57 and all those films. But I feel like uh, back in the day, you know, a lot of times when it was like a black director or something, you just, this films just didn't live up to the same standard that like I was accustomed to as a kid. Like, you know, going to see Michael Bay and The Rock and all those action scenes. But one thing I didn't realize at the time was just how underfunded so many of these black creatives and these black films were. You know, people were doing sh stuff on like a shoestring budget. You know, they sometimes they barely had a budget. And I remember seeing this um, trailer for, you know, Spike Lee's masterclass where he was talking about being the writer, producer, um, sound guy, actor. I mean, he played everything in his in his own films because that's what he had to do at the time. But, you know, as a kid growing up, like I didn't I didn't know this stuff. So I was viewing a lot of these early black films through a different lens. But now that I'm a little bit older and I'm an entrepreneur and I see the world a lot more for what it is and I know how challenging it is for people of color to get access to capital. I feel like I go back and look at these, you know, old, you know, black films or black films in general and I can just appreciate them a lot more because I'm not judging them on the same standard that I would judge like a film that starts out with like some kind of crazy multi-million dollar budget, you know, 100 million dollar budget versus like an independent black director trying to get something out there and they're doing what they can with what they have. And I, I, I go back and look at films now and films that were like comical, like even the film we're going to talk about, like Dolomite, right? Um, films that were comical back in the day, but now you go back and look at it, knowing the story and what it took for them to like, you know, get this thing shot and produced. And you just look at it and just like, ah, right. Like you just, you know, you just stand in amazement watching what's getting displayed on screen. And that's why I really want to talk about Dolomite is my name, because I feel like if you haven't seen this movie on Netflix, like you might want to pause this podcast, go watch this film and then come back, you know, because it's just a great film. It stars, you know, Eddie Murphy. You've got Mike Epps in it. You've got the guy from a hot tub time machine. I forgot his name. But anyways, it's this film about the Rudy Ray Moore who comes up with this character called Dolomite. And Dolomite was like his way of, you know, breaking out of the rat race. You know, he was like working in a record shop, wasn't making a lot of money. He moved out to Hollywood, had all these big dreams. And he just kind of looked back on his life and realized he wasn't accomplishing all the stuff that he set out to. And then through a series of events, he creates his character Dolomite. And it's just such a hit, right? He's a hit. He's found his persona. Now he's on the road doing comic routines as Dolomite. But then he comes up with this idea of making a movie about Dolomite. And so the movie follows, you know, Rudy Ray Moore and his friends as they essentially, you know, fight an uphill battle to not only shoot this film and get it produced, but also, you know, have it shown in theaters. And it's just such a, 
the movies just shows like the trials and tribulations of you know him and his team to make this happen. But the beauty of this film is like as I watch this now, I'm just like, man, this is such a great film about entrepreneurship and the truth about like entrepreneurship. Because I think for a lot of times, so many of us, you know, we want to step out on our own. We want to start our own business. You know, we have this perception of what our business is supposed to be like, what our brand is supposed to mean, you know, behind the scenes, how things are supposed to flow. But then you get into it and you realize nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Right. And like you watch this film and that was like, okay, that was a thing. And it like, they didn't try to hide it. They didn't try to sugarcoat it. You know, he organizes this like riffraff team of film uh, director. He's got a director and the film staff and these actors, but the film, you know, throughout the film, you know, Rudy conveys this fact of like, nobody knows what the hell they're doing, but they're going to do it anyway. And so that they're going to, you know, do whatever it takes to kind of figure this thing out. And watching it was just re refreshing because a lot of times in entrepreneurial hustle, you have so many people pretending like they know what's going on, that they've got it all figured out and it's all under control. And what it does is it creates this like false sense of security and it it makes it hard to really learn people, learn from people and connect with people because everyone's kind of putting up this guard of like, um, I'm talking about like entrepreneur networks of like everybody's got it figured out when they really don't. But, you know, once you realize that people don't have it figured out um, and people are open and honest about it, then you can have that that honest dialogue and, and work through challenges and um, different struggles that you're facing. So like that's like even Dope Coffee. Right. That's why I'm, you know, putting this platform, sharing this platform with Dope Coffee, because, you know, that's what we do, man. We, we chop it up every day. We're going back and forth. And so to see this in film was was great, man. And there were just so many lessons. I think even for me today, right? Like I was watching that film and it just empowered me because I'm running a for-profit and a non-profit like at the same time. I'm building both up concurrently and sometimes it feels overwhelming and I feel like, you know, is this thing all going to come crashing down one day? But, you know, I was watching that film and it was just reinforced. It was just refreshing to see like, you know, that's just what it is. Like, this is what you sign up for. Like, nobody knows what they're doing, but we're going to figure it out. We're going to do what it takes. Um... And just the hustle and grit of it, right? Like there was a scene in the in the first half of the film where, you know, Eddie Murphy, sorry, Rudy Ray Moore comes up, you know, he decides he's going to do an album on Dolomite, right? But in order to do the album, like he, he can't run out of club. He doesn't have a lot of money. So he decides to do the recording in his friend's apartment. Or I don't know if it was his apartment, but he records the album in an apartment. He like sets, sets up the chairs and everything invite guests to come in and then they record it live there and like that is just the hustle and the grit it takes you know like there's nothing sexy about it right it's raggedy as hell but you know when he put that thing on an album and you know took it around to some of the different stations to kind of sample it and listen to it you know he eventually got somebody to buy it and no actually he didn't i take that back he put it on an album and then when he couldn't get stations to, you know, pay him for it, he decided to just go straight to the streets. You know, they put it in nice packages, they figured it out and then they start, you know, passing around on the streets, selling it on the streets. And that just grit and tenacity and determination to just push, you know, that was awesome to see. And, you know, my girlfriend, she does a lot of pop ups in the New York City 
uh, metro area, right? Mainly in like Brooklyn, you know, she's a micropreneur. So it's, I don't want to say micropreneur, but she has a, a product line that she sells a lot of these, these like bazaars and, you know, um, curated marketplaces that you see all throughout New York City. And, you know, I go to these things and like people have the dopest like products, you know, whether it's like CBD oils, food, beard oil, I mean, you name it. But once I've kind of been around entrepreneur game, I know no matter how like nice stuff looks at this level, somebody's like, you know, sticking that stuff on there. Somebody's sticking the packaging on there. They're gluing the packaging on. A lot of people have products under their beds, you know, stuffed in where, not even warehouses, just stuffed in like storage facilities or at their mom's house. But that's just what it is, right? That's that's the culture. That's what it means when you like step out on faith and you bootstrap something and you you build it from from the ground up. And so like when you're watching it in the film and you see the stuff that he's doing, right? Like this is not far-fetched. Hell, I'm reporting, I'm recording this podcast in my apartment. Y'all might think I'm at some, you know, podcast studio paying an hourly rate, but that's not the case at all. You know, I'm re I'm recording it like here in my home. And it's just, again, it's just getting out there and, you know, figuring it out. And I loved how he like figured out how to just kind of like self-produce that first album, you know, got his friends on board, leveraged the skills they had. I think he had one friend who was like really good at like, maintenance and costumes and, and whatnot then you had another one who was a musician so for a lot of the sounds but like everyone was kind of bought in like he was like this leader creating this this culture and this feeling of belief but and that was just the album and so the interesting part was through even though he made a lot of success with the albums that he produced he still wanted to step it up to the next level and he came up with this idea of doing a dolomite film that the producers like the big the major um film producers did not want they're like no no way it's not happening like we're not interested in this because you know he brought up a really good point was even when he sold his albums like i hate to say you know these entrepreneurs target market right he he was very in touch with his fan base right like the the fans that you see um gravitate towards dolomite in the film i feel like these are a lot of fans that people um, a lot of cinemas were overlooking or maybe they weren't. Maybe it was just like the black exploitation films like they were targeting that demographic. But that was just black people. You know what I'm saying? Like not not people not like taking themselves too seriously. It's just like your average, you know, average everyday, you know, black person living in, um, you know, just facing life from whatever angle they're taking it, you know, but like not not necessarily catered towards like the collegiate crowd or anything or maybe it was but I think Rudy just had like a good fan base and it's no similar it's a lot similar to like Tyler Perry you know people have feelings about Tyler Perry's Medea movies and you know the stuff that he puts out which is worth a whole nother conversation um but at the end of the day he knows who his fan base is and that's who Dolomite did and so he went straight to them and guess what they supported him they came out they showed up to support him they bought his albums and so even though like a lot of these producers were like, hey, we're not interested in this film, he knew, I think deep down that his his audience would be craving for it. So they they put it together and they they figured it out. You know, he grabbed some film students, <laughs> gave them some important titles. I mean, that's a funny thing too. You start giving people titles. Now all of a sudden, you know, they when you can't pay them a lot of money, but you're able to give them some executive producer credit or some director title and they want now all of a sudden you've got buy-in and so you see him leveraging that um 
But he just, I think in the film, the thing that stuck out to me was just this, the leadership aspect of like, he knew this was his project and he had this like obligation to the people he had um, on his team who bought into it to make it a success for them. Right. And the other thing was just willing to have his own skin in the game. I mean, he was like betting, I won't say betting, but like he, I think in the film they had it where he was like agreed to um, giving up his royalties on all his albums to cover the loan. Um, if he was unable to pay it back for years or whatever, um, you know, coming out of his own pocket, racking up a bunch of debt. And I think, you know, especially now, like everybody wants to start a business, but people really aren't trying to go into debt. And people really aren't trying to have like that much skin in the game. But that's what it takes, you know, and you see them, you see it doing it, you know, on film. And, you know, they, a lot of funny scenes. I mean, Eddie Murphy crushed it. He killed it. But he also did a good job of balancing between like the seriousness of the situation, understanding the gravity of what they were doing, but at the same time, right, trying to have a little bit of fun with it. Um, and, uh, and I can, again, I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to that because sometimes, I mean, at the end of the day, like if you start a business or you're doing a venture or some creative project, right, you want to have fun with it. Like you, you, it's serious. You want to take it serious, but we also need to find, have a way to find some fun in it and appreciate, you know, the effort and the work people are putting in. And so he shows that in the film. And then even after the film wrapped up, there's this whole piece of like, okay, now you finished the film. It's like the high, right? Everybody's high five and we did it. But now what? You know, nobody's picking it up. You know, he's just living on hopes and dreams, figures out that um, he has this opportunity maybe to, you know, do like a one night showing and jumps on and takes advantage of it. Um, and that's when, you know, he realized that his, he had confirmation that his target audience wanted the film because I think he he threw it up in like some theater in like Indiana. It was like a one night showing at midnight, started to promote it, drove around town, you know, letting people know on a bullhorn that the film was showing. And guess what? The community came out to see it. And then when this uh film producer um was like dimensions in the movie, I don't know if that was the real brand, but once they saw his ability to like bring that much success in on just like a one night show, then they decided to to back him and get the film shown at a bunch of this smaller at a bunch of theaters in urban communities, you know, probably like Detroit and L.A. and, you know, just targeting the urban populace because the way they had it set up in the film was like the the producers were, you know, they were the black exploitation guys. You know, they made those old Foxy Brown films. And what was the other one? <laughs> uh Foxy Brown, The Shafts, all that from like the 1970s era. But it was really powerful because, you know, on their way, like the last big scene, you know, they're, they've are they got this set up, right? They're doing this big premiere in the new theaters and he's on his way there with his team and they're like, well, what if nobody shows up? But he reinforced this idea of like, it doesn't matter if only five people show up. We're going to go there and we're going to have a great time and we're going to celebrate our film when they roll in, you know, they see just these massive crowds. I mean, the community came out to show just unwavering support for the film and for Dolomite. And I I find that happening, I, that mentality of although you want to create something great and you want like all this recognition and, you know, you want people to not necessarily like sing your praises, but appreciate the work you're doing. 
it's reinforcing to know that like it's very true. Sometimes you gotta be like, if I just make one person, you know, if I'm able to inspire or, you know, entertain just one person, right? One person, five people, then that that's a win. Um, and it keeps you grounded too, because I think it 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 lets you focus on the caliber of content you're creating and what you're putting out there. Um, and just, you know, being your authentic self. People get caught up when they're trying to do stuff, be people that they're not. But in this film, you know, he was like very much like, hey, we're just going to if it's just five people, then, you know, we're going to have a good time. And so thanks. That was it. Like, I mean, he created the film. They hustled. They put it out there and the community came out to support. And, you know, he had this quote in there where it was like, I mean, there was just so many good quotes in the film. And a lot of them might sound like cliche, but they're just so true. I mean, one of them was. You know, if you shoot for the moon and you miss, you better cling on to a star, right? And I know they say if you shoot for a moon, you still land amongst the stars. But I do like the idea of just like clinging on, you know, keeping the dream alive, figuring it out. You know, he had another comment where if somebody closes a door in his face, he finds another door. And you just see that all the way throughout the film. And even the characters are like, Rudy, you've never let anything stop you before. And so when he has that track record of just always figuring it out and never giving up, he uses it to empower him to face whatever current challenge that he's facing. And so, you know, it was a really good film. It's a really good, inspiring film. And I'm hoping that, that um, a lot of, I, I don't know, like I don't really watch a lot of TV and like Oscar stuff, but that film has to get some kind of award. And if it doesn't, again, it goes back to what we were talking about before about just like sometimes I think people can unappreciate black cinema, um, you know, even even the good films that I thought were like killer back in the day, like you say, like the Passenger Fifty Sevens, um, Glory, you know, all these 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 films. But you know, you look at what they get rated on IMDb, and they don't get rated very high. And I caught this on early on, right? Like I know that like if there's a movie that a lot of black audiences like and gravitate towards, um, you know, a lot of times these films are just rated poorly by critics, and I think it's because they have a, they lack like agency. Like they don't have the same relationship to the film and the characters that a lot of people of color do. And that creates unequal, you know, reviewing. And I don't like, I don't take their reviews that serious anyway. Right. Like I know the kind of stuff I like and I know the content I like, but I do think, you know, for kids that are growing up, you know, this stuff has to be explained to them about, right. Like you got to understand that all things all things are a lot of times aren't equal. You know, these these films and their budgeting and the amount of funds that they're able to have from the beginning, a lot of times won't be equal. And so, you know, helping helping people appreciate films for what they are. Um, and, you know, just taking everything in context. And so, you know, overall, I mean, it was a great film. I'll probably do some more. I'll probably do, probably, I wouldn't be surprised if I bring this film up again because I definitely want to talk about you know, the Tyler Perry, um, the Tyler Perry controversies that a lot of people have. I want to talk about Spike Lee. I'm going to talk about so much uh, culture on this show. And a lot of it deals with you can't talk about it without talking about like the entertainment industry, because I think when you think of like, I mean, that's just a thing that's just so prevalent in people's faces um, all over the world, really that there's a lot there and that we can pull a lot of that, pull a lot from. So I'm excited about that. But, 
in the meantime, you know, I'm just going to keep creating content. I'm going to create shooting these episodes for you all. If there's topics or, or if there's topics you are interested in or you want to hear me talk about, feel free to shoot me a message on uh, just shoot me an email at Mike at weareironbound.com or you can hit me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm trying to stay. I'm not saying I'm trying to. I'm laying off social media. Again, I've told you all on previous episodes that in order to do work like this, to be able to create a podcast or write articles or run a business, right? Like I understand now that I need to own my concentration abilities. And then I just found that like between email and social media and the thousands of other distractions out there, it takes away from my ability to cr- contribute to the world, to contribute to the universe. And so I need to really protect that, that deep work time um, so that I can create dope content like this. And so that comes at a, at a, at sacrifice because I just social media is just it switching back and forth while you're trying to do work. It's just not productive. And I'm really embracing this like I mentality of, you know, taking a lot of that stuff out of my life. Um, so I'm, I'm focused more on reading and working and, you know, honing in my concentration, almost like monk style. So we can do some really creative stuff. Um, and it's a pleasure. It's honestly a pleasure to be able to do this, to create content for you all out there. Um, cause like even just for this, just so you know, for this show, I had to watch Dolomite. I watched it once before, but I watched it again. I took a little bit of notes on it just to see, um, stuff that stood out to me. Um, I'm looking at my notes right here. You know, what do I have on here? You know, the power of a dream, the hardships of black Hollywood, which we got to see on, on film. Um, I put some of the quotes on there. You know, Rudy knows his audience. Um, critics don't understand black audience. Yeah, I mean, I just I just took notes on the film, stuff that stood out to me, and decided to, you know, attack a little bit more. So I don't know what I'm going to talk about next episode. I think, I, I know for sure one thing I'm going to explore is why I chose to, why I have a deep passion for like African-American studies and African-American history and why I still think it's important um, to learn about that stuff in, in this day and age, you know, I'm going to, I'm rereading the autobiography of Malcolm X. I have a whole episode about that. I'll be talking about Booker T. Washington. I'll be talking about, um, I'll probably do some Marcus Garvey exploring, um, WB Du Bois. I'm talking about everything, right? Because again, this was just a business podcast. I think that'd be kind of boring, but the fact that I have this platform, I want to, um, use it to really engage beyond. I want to use it as like a, as an interdisciplinary kind of thing. Like I want to engage a bunch of different topics all under a very similar lens, but at least this way, like, you know, who I am, what I'm about and how I approach certain things and think about certain things. So, um, but it was a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be able to produce this and, and talk to you all. I want to give a shout out to the Gifted Sounds Network. If you haven't heard of them, check them out. There's a tons of great uh, artists on the platform. Gifted Sounds is essentially curating Black podcaster talent on a network as a way to help us push our IP, intellectual property, out to the universe. And then also just position us in a way for the culture. And so it's it's super dope to be a part of, of Gifted Sounds Network. I mean, as soon as I met him, I was like, hey, I got this idea for a podcast and I would love to host it um, on your network. And so I'm working with them. I also give a shout out to my boy, Mike Lloyd, for helping out with the audio of this podcast, helping it get nice and tight. So um, we're going to keep rolling, man. We're going to keep rolling. We're going to keep producing content. We're going to keep having fun. Be sure to order you a pack of dope coffee. If you haven't done so, you can go to realdopecoffee.com 
uh, put your order in, you know, rock you some coffee, drink some coffee while you're listening to this episode. And be sure to like Ironbound Boxing. You know, we run this free program for inner city youth here in Newark, New Jersey. We need funding. So um, you can go to our website, ironboundboxing.org. You can donate, even if it's five, 10, $15, doesn't matter. It helps us keep kids off the street and in the gym and just keep spreading that message out there you know we're gonna we're doing some great stuff for youth in community in newark and god willing we'll build out enough support for our programs and get it dialed in that we can take it to other uh, low-income communities across the country if you haven't done so already be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review be sure to follow us on uh, spotify itunes stitcher and other podcasts hosting podcast podcast hosting platforms there's topics you want to hear me discuss. You know, I know people talk about affirmative action. A lot of my friends always ask me questions about that stuff. Just shoot me an email at mike at weareironbound.com and I'll put together an episode um, taking that on. You can also add me on Instagram at uh, Iron Mike Stedman and follow me on LinkedIn at Mike Stedman. So till next time, everybody, peace, love, and have a great rest of your day. Nice man, I love your brother, black man, and chase our dreams, black man.